Have you heard about Global Poker? Global Poker is the fastest growing card room in the US today, and it's available online at globalpoker.com. Global Poker is a social poker site that offers safe and secure cash out options by using their unique and patented sweepstakes model. Players can compete in big guaranteed tournaments, jackpot sit and goes, or cash games featuring Hold'em, Omaha, and even Crazy Pineapple. Don't wait. Check out Global Poker today. Poker Stories is an audio series that features casual interviews with some of the game's best players and personalities. Each episode highlights a well-known figure in the poker world and dives deep into their favorite tales both on and off the felt. Hello and welcome back to Poker Stories, a podcast brought to you by Card Player, the Poker Authority, and hosted by me, Julio Rodriguez. This is episode number 73 and features Las Vegas-based poker pro Randy Ohel. Now, Randy is primarily a mixed games cash player who spends most of his year grinding at Bellagio. However, he does dedicate his summers to the WSOP, where he has done quite well over the last seven years. In 2012, he won a bracelet, taking down the $2,500 buy-in triple draw event for $145,000, and he also finished 5th in the 3K PLO 8 or better event. In 2014, he finished runner-up in the $10,000 horse championship for $314K. Two years later, he again finished runner-up, this time in the $10,000 stud 8 or better, as well as 3rd in the 3K PLO 6 max. In 2018, he had another stellar summer at the tables, cashing in the 50k Poker Players Championship, as well as taking 5th in the 10k Horse and 2nd in the 10k Triple Draw. When you throw in the occasional No Limit Hold'em score, Randy has cashed for more than 2.1 million in live tournaments, while basically limiting himself to just 2 months a year. Now, full disclosure to my listeners, Randy and I are good friends. We hang out relatively often at least for two grown men with kids. And that made recording this podcast only about 5% weirder. Randy grew up in South Florida, as did I, and we are about the same age. We both went to the same college and played in the same poker home games, but we never actually met until after his bracelet win when we were both living in Las Vegas. Now, normally I go to the interview subject or uh, they come to the card player offices or maybe we meet up in a poker room somewhere, but this time Randy was nice enough to come to me. Anyway, that's enough intro. Here's my conversation with Randy O'Hell. I'm here with a Poker Stories first. I'm in my own house, and I'm recording a podcast with Randy O'Hell. How, how are you doing, Randy? Randy what? O'Hell? <laughs> O'Hell? You just sort of stumbled over my name quite a lot there. Randy O'Hell. <laughs> Oh, hell, he's in my house. Randy, how are you doing? This I'm doing very well. How are you, Julio? I'm good. This isn't the first time you've been in my house. Not even close. Yeah. It's, uh... Our families are quite close. Yes, this is uh, this is quite awkward. I'm interviewing a friend, although I've had friends on this podcast before, but... Yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe not uh, ones I know so well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to feign ignorance and try to go all over it again. It's a good idea. Uh, as we recap your life and maybe i'll learn something new and maybe i'll pretend like i don't know some of the questions that are coming from having listened to your podcast before oh yes yeah, so that's a good question so which episodes have you listened to i've listened to a lot of them do you have a particular favorite um 
the Steve Z one was great. Steve Zolotow's got some stories. That was a really good Guys, episode. do not sleep on Steve Zolotow. That, that was probably the best a, one. That guy has lived the life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so make sure you check that out. Is there a particular question you're looking forward to? No. No? Okay, because I have new questions. Oh, you do? Oh, that's exciting. I have a couple ones I've thrown away, a couple ones I've added from listener suggestions, so who knows? You Maybe, maybe you didn't prepare as well as you thought. I didn't prepare very well, period. <laughs> um, I don't, I'm, I'm a poker player. I don't prepare for things. I just do things. It, well, there you go. That's speaking like a true... Spoken like a true poker player. Let's go back to the beginning. 1985? 86? 85. 85. <laughs> Coral Springs, Florida. Yep. Uh... What was going on back the, back in the day? I have no idea. I was I don't remember. <laughs> well, tell me about in 1985. Tell me about your upbringing. Um, I was just raised into kind of a reasonably typical upper middle class Jewish household in South Florida, of which there were many. There are many. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, what does that mean? Religious? No, no, no. Just uh, Jewish by culture. Mm-hmm. Not really religion in my household. You didn't, you never had any rituals. Well, we did like uh, like I was bar mitzvah when I was thirteen, and we did. Uh, my mom believes in things. <laughs> I've met your mother. Yes, you have. <laughs> I was witness to a conversation. Yes, about uh, some oh, of the were you? Yeah, she believes in things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, no, I definitely not a religious household. But we mm-hmm. did occasionally. We would do like you know uh, the seder for Passover, and we would do. You know, some members of my household will fat, would fast for Yom Kippur. Or they would make me attend services for some, some, a few of the different things. Were you not? But definitely not a religious household. Age? No, I've never believed in anything. Yeah. What about uh, you? A sister? Yes, I have a sister two and a half years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And well, you were the typical older brother. Or... Um. Did you guys get along? For the most part, we did. Like, you know, every... every <laughs> There were times. Yeah, every sibling relationship has its, you know, ups and its downs and whatever. But I would say that for the most part, we got along. Mm-hmm. And what were you getting into? I remember uh, in another interview, you said that you were an indoor kid. Yeah, I was mostly an indoor kid. What does that mean? Like, played video games mm-hmm. and things like that. Although I did, like... There was definitely... There was a stretch where we played, uh, like, um, hockey on the street quite a bit. And a little bit of, like, kickball on the street. We did a little bit of that during for a couple of years of my life. But mm-hmm. for the most part of it, I would say I was an indoor kid. That stuck is, inside. Not stuck inside. Happily inside. Zelda. Happily inside. Or, uh, what, were, what were your games back in the day? Listen, we invented shelter for a reason, okay? <laughs> it's fucking brutal out there. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal in Florida. The city that we've chosen yeah, to live in the desert it, of all places. Well, I mean, I lived in... I always say that I grew up in the sauna and I moved to the oven. Yeah. And I think that's, like... And the reason I always say it is because I think it's true. This is well. This is funny because we're both from the same area. We went to high school uh, very close Near each to other, each yeah. other. Uh, we ended up going to the same college. I think we overlapped by was it two or three years at UF? Uh, two years. I two believe. years we overlapped at UF and we never met each other and, until we lived in Vegas. And it wasn't until Vegas that we got to know each other. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt the same way coming from Florida to Vegas. The first time I stepped out of McCarran Airport, I got a nosebleed. Just because I had never experienced anything so dry before. I can I can buy that, for sure. I remember when I moved to Vegas, um, I had this feeling when I stepped onto the jetway, when I when I moved here in 2008, that like right away I just felt home. Mm-hmm. 
this city just clicked for you? Yeah, I just, it, but I wasn't even here yet. Like, I was literally on the jetway. I'm like, I've got, I'm home. I just, yeah. I just was ready to move. I always knew that I wouldn't end up in South Florida. I never liked it, and I always wanted to explore somewhere else, but I, I never thought it would be here. I never thought it would be, you know, here as a gambler. Well, it's funny because both, both Vegas and South Florida are both, were like, retirement area, like, hotspots anyway. Well, especially South Florida. Yeah. Vegas is just like a super transplant place. I feel like there's a But big, no, a lot of people move here. There's there. some, but I mean a lot of people retire to Arizona and mm-hmm. people move here when they're more in the middle of their lives, I think. I see a lot of old people. <laughs> there's a good number of old people. <laughs> Maybe it's uh, all the golf I've been playing. All right, so uh, we're in Coral Springs, you're playing video games, um, and your grandma teaches you poker? Uh, that's um an exaggeration uh, <laughs> why because I, well, no no no, no. We, it, it's just a it's a it's sort of a half joke story that we tell in my family mm-hmm. um she i i already knew like kind of uh what beats what at like five card draw and stuff like that and just like you know flush beats a straight and all that sort of thing but i didn't but she taught me the rules of seven card stud specifically okay. that's that's what that was and that was on a like a day off from like a, a sick day from school or whatever where she watched me for the day and did you take to it real fast? Or? No. Okay. I, I, there was no, like, between the age, like, this was when I was, like, you know, I don't know, eight or something like that. And uh, maybe seven, I don't know, something like that. But there was no, poker wasn't really in my life until I was 17 or 18. Um, but uh, definitely what was in my life, my whole life, was games. We played a lot of games in my household. I played a lot of games with friends, card games, board games, you know, the whole the whole lot of them and like that was a big part of my life my whole life and still is like i don't just play poker i play a lot of board games and other games what were your favorites growing up we played a lot of uh, monopoly um played a lot of like spades and hearts uh played uh were you a good i like to play my, my we played a lot of card games with my grandmother we played a lot of uh she played a lot of casino with her um some games like that. I remember countless games with my sister where she would see that she's losing and then just quit and flip the board over. No, we were we we were not like that <laughs> in my house. Yeah, so you we played. You were like a competitive bunch. Oh yeah, I would say so. And um, there was definitely you know maybe my parents could correct the record, but I'm fairly sure talking to them that there was never any kind of like letting the kids win or anything like that in my household. Actually, I think that I'm told that there was a little bit of fighting between my parents about that. When uh, when we were young, that my mom wanted to let us win sometimes, and my dad didn't. No soft I'm, play. I'm told that there was some. I I think I'm told that there was a little bit of fighting there, but I don't think it's it ever happened. Earn it. And I don't ever plan on letting my kids win. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't believe in that. We'll get to your fatherhood later on in the podcast. No, there's not much to get into with him. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, poker enters your life how? Um, I don't As remember a teenager. when I think when I was I must have been seventeen, mm-hmm. um, like it's I guess a senior or maybe junior or maybe senior in high school. Um, I don't remember exactly how it first entered my life. I definitely watched the MoneyMaker World Series of Poker, mm-hmm. um, and I definitely I was somewhat exposed to it before that, but I don't remember exactly from where. But I was I enjoyed the MoneyMaker thing and I was interested in that. And then we had in my high school. We had what we called the uh, USPO, University School Poker uh, Open? T. No, 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 USPT. Sorry, I said okay. USPO is the other is the actual thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real event. U- yeah, USPT, University School Poker Tour, like WPT. Um, and we would travel to the different people's houses um, and have, like, <laughs> uh, you know, tournaments that were between uh, 
maybe 20 to 30 people every week or every other week man yeah we and uh and like buy, i think 20 dollar buy-ins so this is the height um, of poker boom poker mania no this is no, no this is not the height this is 2003 yeah this is the beginning of the poker boom the height of the poker boom was like 2007 yeah okay um but uh and that's a lot of this is the very beginning of it that's a lot of teenagers gambling. yeah oh yeah <laughs> um but we had a what really good time with it here? yeah i said we uh 20 tournaments mm-hmm. um very 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 rare cash games mostly just the 20 dollars tournaments um like we played uh we had a we had a my i think we had a four-handed running uh sit and go in my physics class <laughs> the last like because the teacher would finish like with between five and ten minutes left every day would finish his lesson and we would deal a few hands and like keep it on paper and we had like a running sit and go you know my whole senior year basically of of uh high school i actually also attended the um what was what they called it the coral springs poker tool tour cspt um so i attended two different like high school tournament things ours ran much more regularly than theirs and was much much tougher mm-hmm. like we had a pretty tough game in my high school we have uh from my high school we have three professional poker players and three bracelets uh can you uh rattle off those names yeah steven Wolanski. steve Wolanski. Okay, yeah, yeah has two bracelets and was in my high school and the other poker pl- the other professional doesn't have any bracelets, but lives in uh, L.A. and is a limit hold'em player named Michael uh, Michael Winnett, who mm-hmm. many people know as Squeaky. Squeaky, yeah, limit um, guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and we had we had much tougher games than they did at the other. You know, <laughs> we had it was it was surprising. Yeah, I would imagine you know. And then we had a year, and it was high actually, schools can't claim uh, bracelets like that. And we had by, oh by the way, my graduating class was about 150 kids. It's a very small high school, and they were you know. Yeah, your high school was like about a minute from my actual house. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Where was your house? Orange Drive. Oh. Like, um, just off of university. Oh, that is right by the U yeah. school. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> uh, but um, we we had a good time. We had we also took a little bit of money out of every prize pool for all of these and had a year-end event that was, I think, a $50 buy-in with this added money, um, which I think Squeaky won. I think. Our, How did you fare? I did not cash in that. I did. I made money overall in the in the uh, in the USPT though. Mm-hmm. Our good friend uh, Michael Gross did cash in the final final event. Yes, uh, somewhat of a poker player in his own right. <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out to Mike Gross. Uh, okay, so you graduate high school. Uh, you get accepted into the greatest university in the land. Uh, go Gators. Which I barely attended. Which you barely attended. You squandered the opportunity. I did. I not only not I squandered not only an admission, but uh, I squandered a more than full ride. I was being paid to go to college and I discovered that in college they don't force you to attend classes unlike in high school and mm-hmm. that did not work out well for me. Yeah. I didn't go to the classes. Um, Did you at least have one good semester where you no, kept your nose clean? I had zero good semesters. Wow. So what was the first I was a disaster. that caught you? Um, Were you in the dorms first when you I was in the dorms, yeah. I was in uh, the honors dorm, Hume dorm. Hume, okay. I was Beatty Towers. Yeah. Oh, that's where um, my sister lived there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, what was I going to say? Um, How you failed at uh, college. Yeah, I just didn't go to the classes mm-hmm. and like... The thing was that even in high school, I got obviously I got good grades because I had this more than full ride scholarship and I did well on standardized testing and et cetera, et cetera. But I was never I never had good study habits at all. I never studied anything. I would I would pay go and go to class, pay attention to the things that they said, remember them, and do well on tests. Yeah. So like 
grades that I screwed up might have been in homework or might have been like, and I never had any study habits. So I, I certainly couldn't not attend a class and do well, which is what I discovered. Yeah. So the only couple classes that I attended with any regularity were the ones that really interest me, like uh, um, film analysis class, for example. And I actually like wrote the paper for that class and did kind of well in that class. I took that class too. Intro which, to film analysis. Yeah. Which class? Which uh, movies did they make you watch? Um, I don't remember all of them. The best one that I, was um, what was the Hitchcock Vertigo. Okay, I we don't watched, remember if we had a um, It probably depends on the TA that teaches it or whatever. Yeah, I can't... I think we had two Hitchcock we, uh, movies. We watched, like, The Battleship Potemkin and, like... Oh, we uh, watched that, yeah. The Bicycle Thief. We watched... No, we didn't watch The Bicycle Thief. We, we talked about it. Um, but that was a good class. Nashville. I think he had I've a... Never heard uh, of that. He had a Robert Altman thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a fan. Vertigo's a great movie. Yeah. And the we, other one we watched we was... The other Hitchcock a... movie was um, Notorious, an old... In one of his first movies. Um... So that was the one but class I literally, you this shit is, about. But this is how bad I was. And this is not going to be an exaggeration. I give my word this is not an exaggeration. I had to walk from that class uh, back to the dorm. And I literally would walk, this is no exaggeration, within 15 feet of the door to my next class, which was uh, like computers for business majors or whatever, that introductory class. Mm-hmm. And I literally would walk 15 feet from this door and would just never set foot in the class i just walk straight past it every day and like an intelligent person i scheduled the class so i'm like oh when i'm walking back this will be right on my way yeah and it's right after it's perfect timing i can go back to back yeah exactly but no i was just awful and never attended it you didn't even have the i didn't get out of bed excuse i did um a couple of my classes i did have that excuse (laughs) but not this particular one (laughs) so uh what what kind of poker were you getting into in college um, I played online, mm-hmm. and I played some, like, live underground games in Gainesville, which was... Was that the main reason why you were, you know, not locked in in college? Like, if, if no, you the main had reason... never discovered poker, would you have been fine in college? I don't know. I've, I've wondered that over the years. Um, I think that at 18, I was not ready for college. That's the truth. Um, I think that I never developed the habits I needed to have, and... I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a living. The only thing I knew was that I was already kind of materialistic and I wanted something where I could make some money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and poker was it ended up being like the most obvious thing. Like I loved the idea of poker that you like go home with the actual money that you make and you don't wait mm-hmm. for like a paycheck. I did work normal jobs in high school and in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something about poker that really... Like, I do remember, I had one experience where um, I knew I wasn't going to, my original major was uh, was finance, and I took intro to financial accounting, which I did not pass, um, and that was... I remember was, that being a weed-out cl- class, right? It is, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually the first, this is going to sound conceited, but it's true, it's the first ever time that I took a class period in my entire life where I felt like it was difficult. Yeah. I found the idea, I found accounting difficult, which was you know, scholastically never happened to me before. And I didn't put in the work that one would have to put in to actually get good at it. And I just flat out hated it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I knew I would never end up a finance major. So I went, this was, and so I, you know, I took the course, I literally took the um, the little booklet with all of the majors and stuff like that. And I kind of leafed through it and I was looking around and reading up and I'm like, and none of this appealed to me. I really didn't want any of it. And all I like, I was just like, I, just, I guess I'll play poker. That was after. a backup. You didn't have. You were like, okay, maybe let's change. Just find something else. You're like, I tried for. I for one semester, I changed to um, political science, I think, but I never even remotely came close to doing anything in that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but I, I just didn't want to do any of it, and it, and 
like I people always say, you know, ask me about choosing poker, and I always say that uh, it didn't feel like a choice at the time. It just felt like what I needed to do, and you know, now here we are. Did you have a later. sign of success that you thought might be, be a reason why you're being pushed in poker's direction? Like. Did you have any reason to believe you would be successful? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I had made money at the home games, and I'd Mm -hmm. made money online, and I had, like, had a couple big final tables on PokerStars events and stuff like that. So, yeah, Yeah. I had had reason to believe that I would succeed, although it turned out that I was nowhere near as good as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And I lost, and I went broke and got a job and learned to play better and went unbroke. (laughs) When did this going broke happen? In 2006, 7. Okay, so... Yeah, I, were, I had a job in 2000... You weren't even 21. Seven, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> you were broke before... No, I was. I, I turned play. 20... What are you talking about? I turned 21 in, um, in 2006. I turned 21. Before that. Yeah. <laughs> My first summer was 06. That makes uh, sense. Jamie Gold's year. My so. first time in Vegas was... Also 2006, actually. Mm. I came here uh, in December of 2006, right after Damon for, Singer turned 18, who you know. Well, for a Bellagio event, or? No, just for... To just po- to party. No, not to party, to play poker and to whatever, hang out. Mm-hmm. But not to, I'm not a partier. Damon wasn't partying either? <laughs> no. He All got right. sick on that trip. He was miserable. So go back to uh, college. You're playing poker. How long does college last before you're just like, okay, I gotta... Defi- like I lived in Gainesville for the full four years, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I don't. I don't know when I officially. I don't think I ever officially dropped out. I just kind of stopped doing it. Yeah. And like you know the like my fir- you know for my freshman year I wasn't getting good grades, and definitely my sophomore year like it was basically over. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> and what did the sophomore time- year was the financial accounting class actually. So what happened when your uh, your family decided that you were playing poker? Most of them sort of said that they wanted me to be happy mm-hmm. with, you know, in my opinion, varying degrees of honesty. Mm-hmm. But um, the most refreshingly honest thing that I heard was from my uh, was from my grandfather, who actually just passed away a couple of months ago, sadly. Sorry but to hear that. Uh, he he said, I remember my one of my first big scores online. I go home for Thanksgiving. How big of a score? Um, this must have been after my sixty k score. Which was right after a 17k score. Like I, I kind of final tabled the. It wasn't the Sunday Million at the time, but it was the Stars 215 Sunday tournament. Yeah. I final tabled that uh, two months in a row, um, in 2005, and uh, and I show up for Thanksgiving with a new car, <laughs> and my grandfather, who has a family history, a really bad family history of gambling. His dad uh, would like lose the rent money in poker games and stuff like that, and like my. He had some stories that he's told over the years, but he had a really bad family history with gambling addiction and stuff like that. And when he found out that I, he knew that I played recreationally and whatever, and he finds out that I buy this car, and he says to me, well, at least no matter what, you'll have something to show for it. There you go. Which was just the most refreshingly honest, <laughs> such a great take, as it turns out, like looking back, such a great take. He just like, you're going to lose all the rest. He, but, he assumed uh... so, yeah, but at least I'd have the car. Yeah. It was a great take. All right, so um, you're in Gainesville for four years. I'm assuming taking the summer trip to Vegas uh, when you no. turned 21. No, uh, the first my first summer here, summer here, quote unquote, was the year that I moved here with 2008. Okay. So I wasn't no, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't have the you know 
means to really like play WSOP events or anything like that. And I, I just kind of went home for the summer during summers, except was, for was one this summer. For, I think I stayed in games. This was after you went broke the first time. Um, some some before, some after. Okay. Uh, I went broke. I had those scores in uh, 2005, like I said, and I went broke. I think in 2007. Okay. Or 2006, somewhere maybe in that. You know, what What was the cause of going broke? Playing too high. Playing stuff I couldn't afford and not playing it well enough. Mm-hmm. What games were you playing at the time? Home games or online or both? Everything went wrong for a while, and uh, and yeah. But we always talk. We have a question about what's the worst job you ever had. I mean, what what job did you take at that time? Um. Well, that uh, that wasn't my worst job. The uh, the job the job I took at the time was uh, commissioned electronic sales at Sears. Okay. Which really wasn't a bad job. Um, I, I was reasonably good at it. The only thing that it didn't mesh well between me and that job was that they really harped on, they really wanted you to sell their credit cards. And like, I had always had bad scores on that because I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, like I'm not a credit salesman, I'm an electronic salesman. But anyway. Yeah, it's a little shady. It, it, it felt that way. It felt, even though it maybe wasn't, it felt Here. shady. It's just a bad decision. <laughs> Look, well, no, it's not necessarily a bad decision because they did have like you know I would offer it to people, especially when there was like you know zero percent financing deals and stuff like that. But I wouldn't like push it the way that they wanted you to and stuff like that. Um, but uh, or push or for that matter, push the uh, push the extended warranties. I had a really hard time doing that. Oh yeah, that's the other one I forgot. Yeah, I had a really hard time pushing the extended warranties because I just didn't feel comfortable with them, and I knew that they were you know that people were losing a lot of EV on them. Uh, thinking like a poker player I was no yeah. honestly and I, I felt bad about it and I just I, I I believed in the products that I was selling the actual products um, but but not in that not in those little services did you have trouble uh, the working in oh. on a clock and uh, no, dealing with a boss I, I had had jobs before so that wasn't a problem um, I worked like three jobs during three different jobs during high school, of which one of them was the worst job I've ever had. All right, let's go to it. Let's go to it. What's the worst job? It was you ever the had? first job I ever had. It was okay. McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. And long story short, um, I was kind of moved around the McDonald's to pretty much every job they had to try to find something where I would be of any value whatsoever. <laughs> I like legitimately made it harder for the place to function because I was so bad at I was so bad at it. I, I was just too slow, and even now, like with. I'm not good at acting, at doing things fast under pressure. I'm fine doing things under pressure, but not fast. And uh, my brain would just move like I couldn't find, it, it, if I was the cashier, like there's just like all of these millions of menu items and these little text on these little freaking squares on the keypad, and <laughs> yeah. I just could not find the one fast enough. Or like I couldn't keep up with the fries when I did that, or I couldn't like, and, and like one day it was busy and they literally sent me home. Like it was better to not have me there, you know? So that was the worst job I ever had and it was not for me. I was very bad at Unqualified it. Unqualified for McDonald's. I, I was really bad at McDonald's. <laughs> I then worked as a cashier at a grocery store. I was better at that. And yeah. I then did electronic sales at Office Max and I was still better at that. So assuming at that point you're trying to grind together another bankroll, what gets you back in the and game? Back in Sears, you mean? When I was uh, at yeah. Sears, yeah, yeah. What, what got yeah. you back into poker? Exactly what you just said. Like, uh, grind, like I, I um, subscribed for uh, to um, memberships to a couple of the uh, the training sites mm -hmm. and learned a lot, learned what I was doing wrong, and learned where I could be a lot better. Do you remember any particular big leaks back then? Good question. I don't think I would... I mean, you were playing Hold'em at this point, right? Mostly. Um... I had also played other games. Actually, I was playing um, 
PLO and PLO8 quite a bit. Um, but the leaks that I was learning about, I was mostly learning about Holden because that's most of what the training content that was available was. Yeah. I don't remember offhand what uh, if I had any major le- like I'm sure I did obviously I don't remember offhand what they were. But there wasn't like a eureka moment where something. No, there wasn't a eureka like... moment. But I did have enough. You know, I, I had a couple of like scores in tournaments. Like I think I won the nightly 150, and I, you know, was do- started doing better in little local cash games and stuff like that. And that was now, and now it's now it's 2008. And now I quit Sears. So it must have been 2008 that I worked at Sears, early part of 2008. And then middle of 2008, I moved to Vegas because I'm stupid. I didn't have anywhere near enough money that someone should have to move here. Well, how how uh, how low are we talking? Definitely less. I don't remember exactly, but let's say definitely less than $25,000 to my name. Yeah, that's a little tiny. And I like instantly played a 2K no limit here in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you moved in, uh, moved in December? Uh, no, um, June. June, okay, June so first, uh, two thousand eight, during the World that's Series. A, yeah, I instantly yeah. played a two K no limit during the World Series. Like, man, that's not my... only to move to Las Vegas, but to move to Las Vegas during the most expensive month potentially of the of the tournament year. Oh, I was a moron. I was a fucking idiot, and and, <laughs> and I never learned. And uh, yeah, here we are. How did how did it go those first uh, first few shots? I'll never ever forget the first World Series event I played. <laughs> was this 2k no limit mm-hmm. um it was uh, i was above average chips like close to one and a half times the average chips uh heading into the uh heading into the dinner break of day one and um and the last literal last hand dealt before the dinner break um i flop a set against top pair and we get it all in and not, we get it all in and the guy has about average chips uh maybe a little bit more um, and he hits a runner runner flush, which was he'll only win with a flush or a runner runner flush or a runner runner full house, like oh, yeah. full house. And uh, he hit that, and I had to spend the ninety minute dinner break with you know my nub and like not having any friends or anything yet in Vegas, and just like it was the most miserable hand I've ever played, and the most miserable feeling that sinking feeling of that time where. Food tastes it was terrible. Going, yeah, it was going so well before that. I was, you know, like I said, well over the average and playing really well and all of this. And then I get it in amazing. I'm supposed to be at like two and a half times the average now, and it's just all taken away from me. Was there a moment uh, after you came out here where you said, "This isn't working. I gotta find something else. Or I gotta reset." Well, I went broke again since I was in Vegas. So, but but uh, and I wasn't sure if I would be able to come back, and I did. Um. So, Do you want to talk about that? I mean, I was broke enough in that, uh, again, from playing too high and all that. Um, I was broke enough that at one point, my now wife and I moved in with uh, moved in with my in-laws here in Vegas. And then uh, I was being staked to play uh, $5 backgammon shoeettes, $5 a point backgammon shoeettes for, like, to, to make grocery money. Wow. I was like, and 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 five dollars shoeettes is a you know you can maybe you know if the big winner might make you know a couple three hundred dollars and the big loser might lose about that amount and like I was being staked to play that uh, by someone and like that that was kind of paying the grocery bills I was doing that twice a week. Wow! But like I sold my car before I sold my car in I think May of May of twenty eleven. Got married in June of twenty eleven. <laughs> um, 
and then I and then I had a not a great I like I sold this car for like you know eight thousand dollars or something like that to have like a little to just try well, to you, you try to get my bankroll back together. Talk about Brie for a second. I, yeah, I mean, I thought we were talking about my career. I mean, who gives a we, shit about my wife? No, I was just saying like because you did manage to land a pretty great woman during this time uh, of turmoil. I'm wondering how one markets themselves uh, as a poker pro. It was funny because. Um, <laughs> So we met we met on um, an online site, and uh, the first time that we met, we met and kind of walked around and chatted at the um, the forum shops at Caesars, and uh, she knew I was a poker player, mm-hmm. and uh, I walked her you to her. You put it in your profile. Yeah, <laughs> I walked her. I walked her to her car when we finished meeting, and it was like a it was a BMW 3 Series, and we both thought that each other was richer than we really were. <laughs> Because she drove a BMW and she thought that all poker players were rich. Yeah. But she couldn't afford the Beamer. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know she drove a Beamer at one point. Yeah. This was in. Uh, this was. This is now in um, 2009 mm-hmm. that we met, and it's now 2019, and we're still together. We've got you know, almost three year old twins, mm-hmm. uh, and own a house and all of that. Yeah. My, and my mother-in-law, who we had moved in with in 2011, now lives with us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it all comes full circle. It kind of did. But she, she saw you, Actually, obviously, it's more 180 than full circle. There you go. But she saw you, uh, obviously, through the lows and then the she highs. She did, yeah. So major credit to her for mm-hmm. sticking with me for all these years. And, like, I have no idea how she did it. Did Black Friday come into, uh, to hurt you at all in 2011 as well? Yes. I, it, it did, for mm-hmm. sure. Um but it's you know so it seems like everything was going wrong in 2011 but then obviously 2012 comes well 2011 so the the second part of 2011 um i didn't i had i probably broke evenish or lo- actually i guess i lost a little bit of the 2011 summer let's say mm-hmm. and at the very end of that summer i played like a $200 or $300 um PLO 8 or better event at Caesars at the end and um I came in fourth or fifth in it, and that was for a couple thousand dollars, I think. And uh, that was like huge for me then. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, I played a couple of like PLO games that I couldn't afford and did well. And then I went uh, in the later part of 2011. Uh, I played some Venetian deep stack events, and like I actually without I played like six events and cashed in their leaderboard for like the bet, you know overall player or whatever by only playing like six events like i literally i had a uh yeah i see here you had a second in uh 08 yeah and, we uh, chopped the 08 three ways and then i PLO. won i won the plo high right after that and then uh i had a third in the next the other plo high and i think a ninth or something in the it was a plo eight or mixed plo or something like that yeah i see the caesars one here as well the limit 08 I, yeah chop was the limit 08 yeah so that kind of got you back on track. Yeah, and like we moved out of my, uh, I got a new car, you know, a car, mm-hmm. and we, my wife and I, for six months or so, were subsiding on one car, um, and uh, and I got a car and moved into an apartment, mm-hmm. and then and then at the early part of 2012, I got a staking deal. Now at this time, are you mostly playing cash? I'm assuming had you already switched over to focusing on mixed games, or were you grinding no limit at, at the time? I think I was playing mostly Limit 08. Okay. So, so not like Mix, but I think I was playing mostly Limit 08 at the time. Mm-hmm. Cash. Because that was what... Yeah. Sorry, yes, Cash. Yeah. Because that was mostly what existed. 
And I was playing online tournaments. All this time I was kind of playing No Limit tournaments online. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so yeah. And then early, like I said, early 2012, someone in my uh, someone from my 08 game introduced me to someone who gave me a staking deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, kind of the rest was history after that. All right, so 2012, very good summer. Uh, you obviously you win a bracelet. 2,500 deuce to seven triple that was my, draw. Yeah, that was my first ever like deep run at a World Series event, mm-hmm. and I just never lost. Won that event, and then uh, you finished fifth in a 3K PLO 8 or better event uh, yep. a little while later that same summer. Let's talk about the bracelet. I had no idea it was like a marathon heads-up battle. It was this, At the time, the second longest heads-up battle, fixed limit heads-up battle in WSOP history. I think it was six and a half hours, including the dinner break. That's brutal. Yeah, it says here... The chip lead changed hands fourteen times. That sounds right. And we were both each... of you had the other nine to one twice. Yes, <laughs> I think it was ten to one. Yeah, twice. It was outrageous. So obviously, it was the most back and forth. That has to feel real good to win something like that. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And I did think that I played better than him, so I like for what it's worth. But you know, uh, and I, I like I remember one of the probably the strongest memory of any hand from that tournament was uh the last time that i was down 10 to 1 uh i went a double up from like to go from like i don't know two one and a half bets to three bets or something like that (laughs) and then we play a hand where uh right after that we play a hand where my opponent is pat going into the river and i'm drawing one and i have i think we're playing big bet of 100k and i have 150k total going into the river and i make a pair of nines and bluff and he like just tank, 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 tank calls or folds. Sorry, tank, 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 tank folds, and like it was. That's the most important, probably bluff that I've ever pulled off. And like he, I remember. Uh, Did you show I'll, it? No, I didn't show it. I, there was there's. This is the first time that it's ever been publicly admitted that I was bluffing in that yeah. hand because if you look on the live <laughs> updates for that tournament, there's a there's a hand that has the headline of something like "Did OL have it?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did not. I remember that one very specifically. I did not. I mean, the nine. final table. David Baker was there. Yeah. Freddie Bagnati, Jason Lavallee. I, I final table. Bucky was there. Congrats to Bucky on your first bracelet. I final tabled two uh, triple draw events, and Freddie Bagnati final tabled both of them with me. <laughs> and I final tabled two events that year, and ODB final tabled both of them with me. Oh, there you go. ODB another bracelet winner. Slava Zukov. Slava Zhukov won the uh, PLO eight that I came in fifth, and who I didn't know at the time turned out to be you know, yeah he turned out to be a pretty good. excellent player <laughs> so uh, i always ask this where do you do what did you do with the bracelet where is it it's it's on um like a shelf in my house kind mm-hmm. of in the front room it's is it displayed or is i, I it guess hidden? the technical yeah i guess yes is it in it's, storage it's not or? displayed but okay. it's out <laughs> it's something there's not like fucking lights shining on it <laughs> <laughs> Or in like a display case, but it yeah, is. It's not it is, behind it can glass. be seen. It can be seen. <laughs> you know, I've been to some houses. I've done doing oh, this I'm podcast sure. where people have uh, very big shrines to themselves. Yeah, I have like I have my trophies out, and I mm-hmm. have uh, you know. Yeah. Do you care at all about about that, or is, if if the, if they could give you the cash value of the bracelet, would you rather take that? If I wanted that, I would sell my bracelet. Well, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I have my bracelet. There you go. There you go. All right, so uh, let's talk about, um, obviously, you won a bracelet, but you've had a lot of close calls also. Since then, yeah. You know, it's a funny thing where the idea of winning a bracelet 
before I actually won it, didn't feel real to me because mm-hmm. I was never close. The, I think my best finish before that was like 32nd or something like that. And uh, it never felt like achievable. And then as soon as I won one the first time, all I wanted was to win another one. Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny because when I talk to people, most people have the opposite feeling. Like they, they feel like the monkey gets off their back when they win the first one. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's obviously different because there was no monkey because I was, you know, such a nobody. Um, but since then, I've really wanted another one. And I obviously have not achieved it. Yeah, as sad as you're getting now, I want to bring up the pain. Uh, <laughs> because you, let's talk about these close calls. Three seconds. Uh, you have three second places at the World Series. Uh, it's not quite as bad as Phil Hummy or uh, Dan and Agron. Well, they have a lot of firsts, That's so, so true. it's kind of okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, these were some close calls in 2014. I I, you finished second in the 10K horse. I think I finished... I think this is true, and I might not be quite right, but... I think I have finished in every position at the World Series of Poker from first down to around twentieth. It's pretty close. At some point yeah, or another. I definitely at some see point one or another. through uh, eight at least here. Those for sure, yeah. <laughs> I've and I know I have, uh, and I have cashed. I have caches in like over ten different formats, which I'm proud of as well. Yes. Uh, so yeah, second in the ten K horse, second in the ten K studied or better, second in the limit triple draw. You had a third in the PLO. Six high max, six yeah. max look here uh, a fourth in the 10k dealer's choice three of those in the same year uh you cash in the 50k the 50k poker players championship yeah, that, that, that actually was a monkey to get to get into to the final, money in that event yeah to finally cash that event because i played it a few times is that kind of like your main event as a mixed game player do you treat that as like the the event to get into or has it lost its shine definitely hasn't lost its shine okay. although i think that like there are a lot of things that wsop could do to improve that event and make it matter more but for me it's, it's a big deal that event like mm-hmm. it's you know all of the best mixed players basically are playing it um they come out of the woodwork they come from bobby's room they come from everywhere mm-hmm. and uh be a great one to win yeah well let's go back to your seconds what one was the most painful um some they which they, one they jolts had, you out of bed in the they middle had of the night? Pain that you know, they each have different. They have each have some pain for different reasons. <laughs> I don't know if one of them is the most painful in particular. Um, like uh, the stud eight or better has a certain degree of pain because a particular a particular hand that I lost, which I was saving for biggest pot you've ever won or lost let's do it let's do it let's Let's talk about the biggest pot you've ever won or lost i'm assuming this this one occurred to me for the for this answer Uh, three ways three ways actually okay three ways but uh let's bring up the tournament so we have the details this was mr george danzer yeah he ended up winning and justin bonomo yep who are these guys yeah right uh so (laughs) wow let's wait i gotta recap this final the final the three-handed by the way last this the people who cashed in this tournament's insane the okay, three-handed so last in eternity, fourth, by the way. Todd Brunson was fifth. Ellie Lezra, sixth. Scott Clements was seventh. David Gray, eighth. Yep. Roland Isra, ninth. David Benjamin, tenth. Mike Leah, eleventh. Oh, my gosh. It just kept going. Wow. Okay, so this was a, this was an event. Yeah, it was a lot of good players, plus mm-hmm. Mike Leah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's been on this podcast. I'm uh, friends with Mike. Make sure you check out that episode. <laughs> I would definitely call Mike a friend. There you go. So I feel okay saying that. There you go. He said he said much <laughs> worse about you on his on his episode. <laughs> I can't imagine I came up. <laughs> All right. So you're three handed with Bonomo and Danzer. Yeah, that was three-handed that the year lasted... Danzer was uh, the player of the year. I don't know. 
Because I think he, that was the year he won uh, two two events, right? I believe it was. The three-handed lasted an eternity. Mm-hmm. You can maybe find it in the updates, but it was probably at least a four or so hour had uh, three-handed. Lasted forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we played one hand probably at least two-thirds of the way into it, where, uh, where I guess the chip leader at the time, Bonomo and I were close, and Danzer was super short. And uh, this hand comes up where Danzer ends up being all in, I think, on 4th Street. Um, I have a wired pair of, I think, fours. Um, Bonomo has, like, a seven up or something like that. Long story short, Bonomo ends up making, like, open kings in five. Danzer's all in, I think, in four. I make hidden trips on fourth, I think. And I get to raise him on fifth. And then he makes two pair open, Bonomo does. Like, kings and sevens, I think, on his board. And I still have the three fours. I get to raise him again on sixth. This is, again, on a side pot with Danzer already all in from 4th Street. You're about to win a tournament. I'm about to, like, be a large chip leader heads up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Danzer, who had literal nothing on 5th Street, caught ace-ace on 6th and 7th. Oh. And I never filled up. And Danzer won that pot and ended up, obviously, winning the tournament. But that was the most brutal hand I've ever lost. Equity-wise. Yeah. Have I mean, you done no, math on it? No, I don't even... I, I have no idea what the math was, and it, I'm sure nothing... like. It might not even be the biggest one I've lost, but it was the most. That's the most painful hand probably yeah. that I've ever lost. It's the one that stings the most. Yeah, but having said that, um, Danzer deserved to win that tournament. He played fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's someone who, um, the more I played with him during that tournament, the more respect I got for his play. Why? Because he was just doing unconventional things. Yeah, exactly. Or... And then it would keep working out, and I would keep watching it and being like, "Man, this guy is you know playing great in these hands and stuff like that." Are you a sponge at the table when it comes to that kind of stuff? Are you not as much as I looking? should be? I sh- um, not as much as I maybe should be. Uh, I mean, they were interviewing that if I... after the train, and they were asking him about solvers, and he basically said, "I know solvers because I watch everyone else play, and I copy them, and you know, like I yeah, just yeah, counteract yeah. it." And I was like, "Okay, I'm not sure if I'm buying that, but." You know, I mean, I've learned like you know, probably a decent amount about like modern no limit just from talking to like people and mm-hmm. watching play on like some stuff on Poker Go and stuff like that. So there is a lot that can be watched and learned without actually, you know, obviously you can't learn the solutions, you know, yeah, because you don't know just because you know that he did this, you don't know how often he would have done it or whatever. Because um, I know that the solvers have all these like uh, these crazy, um, what's it called? Uh, Spots where you're supposed to do something one percentage of the time and something else a different percentage of the time. Yeah, and it might may go against all your intuition. Yeah, exactly. So, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, when did I, I, that's games, not my thing. When did mixed games come into play for you? When did that become your main focus? Because I imagine you were Probably, into it before everyone else was. Yeah, like I remember in uh, I I was immediately even right after I learned No Limit in high school I was drawn to the idea of other poker games very very quickly. Mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, when I learned the rules for Omaha Eight or Better, I was taught the rules by Michael Winnett, who we mentioned before, Squeaky, mm-hmm. and I was taught the rules of this game. And uh, two hand, you know, two in your hand, three on the board, blah 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 blah. And I said, "Oh, so trips in your hand must be really bad." And he goes, "Yeah, but if you hit the card, you're golden." <laughs> I'll never forget that. Those were his words. If you hit that card, you're golden. I'm like, oh. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that, that sounds, sounds like right. it makes some sense. <laughs> so how did how does one get good at mixed games? Because I'm there's no like training sites for. I mean, there are. Well, there are now. I'm saying back in the day, you know, there was super system. There's I books, guess. definitely. There books. There's there still are there are books now. Some of the sites have videos, you know, training videos and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You can get 
um, coaching from me or from someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, this is a good time to bring up. Uh, you are technically you don't have to bring it up now, but yeah. Well, you are technically a card player employee at this point. Uh, That's true. Uh, getting uh, actually, uh, you know, te- like probably an independent contractor, an independent or contractor. Yeah, but you could you could put it on your resume if you want. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're doing a column basically every once in a while for us. Doing uh, some, yeah, right around once a month. Some fundamentals of mixed games. So if you're listening out there and you want to feel real bad about your uh, studied or better or your triple draw, or I've had your, a lot of really good feedback for this last studied or better one. No limit so I'm really deuce happy game. About that. Oh man, you, there was a you were talking about convertibles in one. Stretch, and and, and I was no like, limit deuce. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, I really don't know anything about this game. <laughs> Most people don't. It's a, that, that's like one of the least known games is No Limit Deuce. Yeah, and you just you, you don't realize it goes so deep, you know, and the way you yeah. were able to rattle off, you know, these different concepts. Um, anyway, check it out. But I also do. I also do. Uh, I also do private coaching mm-hmm. for the last like uh, six months. I remember you were telling me back in the day that you would trade help with no limit players i didn't end up ever doing that oh okay that was something that we just that someone and i discussed <laughs> we never ended up doing it but i have but i uh do private coaching for mixed players or for whatever anyone who wants to learn there, there are some players right now who are maybe they're at bellagio which is where you normally play correct uh-huh and maybe they grind 510 or 25 and they show up and their game is just nothing but sharks should they be learning mixed games so that they could go jump over with you guys? I think or? that there's an okay. There's there's two ways that you can look at this. Mm-hmm. One way that you can look at this is they should be getting better at no limit so that they can play no matter who else is playing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really reasonable approach because um, you're not that way. You're not limited by game selection. And then option two is obviously to learn to branch out into other games. The problem is that it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be especially easy to be quickly good enough to play games for any reasonable amount of money. Like. You have to be prepared to uh, to grind small stakes and to learn. You know, it's gonna it's it's a pro it's gonna be a process for anyone who's just played No Limit. Yeah. Um, but I think it's gonna be worth it in the end. Like, I think that uh, there's a lot more value in mixed games nowadays. Like, people are just so good at No Limit. Like, I wouldn't even dream of trying to get good at No Limit now, just because everyone's so far ahead. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, Mixed well, games. It depends also on the cash? type of. It also depends on one second. It sorry. It also yeah. depends on the type of no limit player that they are. Like I don't think that the solver based player will do. Well, it will. I think the solver based player might have a harder transition into other games than like someone who's more of a little bit more intuitive. I think like one of the most important things for learning more games is a, is card sense mm-hmm. and like just understanding concepts of the games and stuff like that like the beautiful thing about learning games is that the more games that you know the more games the easier it is to learn the next one because you can apply concepts from previous games to learn how to play Mm -hmm. to like like oh so if you know just this can be you you can make analogies to other games that you already know how to play Mm -hmm. but uh i would say the that the first thing to do is to read books because i think books are the best um foundational material for like the most basic things and then have some practice and then watch some training videos and then play some more and then say okay you know i'm at this point now i'm gonna maybe look for private coaching or now i'm gonna you know or whatever it is but i think that those those places to start are the best i was like, gonna ask do you ever play hold'em when the game's not looking good in mixed i just play you just play yeah even if the game is like you just prefer playing mixed yeah, I mean, I, I uh, there's not a large enough community in Mix that, like, 
you can afford to be all of that all that selective mm -hmm. you just have to like and you and you and it's not i don't think it's good to be known as someone who won't play unless the game is good okay so even well, if i maybe am giving up a little bit now like it's good to have it's good to have that image and have that reputation if you give action you get action yeah well right now there's this uh issue in the in the cash game community especially here in las vegas of yeah. uh, private games uh, and uh, I wonder how pr uh, prevalent of an issue is that for you at the stakes you play and the games you play, or is that more of an issue at only the highest stakes? And you know, I'm gonna, I'm, um, it's a really big issue, and I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> uh, does it affect you? Can you answer? It's that? a really big issue. Okay. It's really yes. What about the breakdown of what your your poker schedule looks like? I imagine, um, you know, being a cash game grinder, you're working a lot of weird hours. Maybe trying to capitalize. Not that weird. You're not like grinding Saturday midnight because that's the where the softest games. No, it's are. not like it's it's not like um, it's not like No Limit where you're looking to catch the drunk people. Mm -hmm. It's you know you basically start a game when everyone's ready to start, and then you kind of quit when the game starts to break like over the course of a game like the game is seven-handed mm -hmm. and we might have you know lots of elbow maybe might might maybe might have nine people over the course of the night at the most okay so most nights so, so you'll get a call hey the game's starting or yeah well there's a text chain and stuff yeah is it hard to recruit new players um I don't know. How does one? How does a new player start up? Are they basically wandering around the poker room, going, "Oh, what is this? Let me see if Occasion I can." Occasionally, that happens. Yeah. More often than not, it's someone that we know, like people that you know, maybe no limit players or mm -hmm. different things like that. Um, I don't do much recruiting. That's not really my strong suit. And what about the politics of how the games are selected? That so for the most part, at least here in Vegas, um, at the game particular limits that I play, for the most part, we have a set of games that are mostly agreed upon every day like like maybe with the tiniest exceptions like there might be 12 games and we might play 12 out of 13 12? Yeah, oh, we, wow. we might play something like 12 out of a set of 13 or 14 or we might play all of them or we might play you know what i mean like it's something like that where where nothing is coming out of the blue no one's really fighting because everyone knows that you just have to have a certain degree of and there's no, like, Mark point. showing up going, I don't know the rules of this game, so you guys just take it out of play or whatever. That happens occasionally. Mm -hmm. Or we teach it to them or whatever. But that's super rare. On a, like, a night where I don't know somebody at the table is rare. Mm -hmm. And what if you want to sit out for a while? How does that work? And you go to the bathroom? You, what do you mean? Right, but, like, uh, isn't there an issue with people, like, sitting out at some games they might not be so we don't strong? Have that, we don't have that issue at, at, uh, at higher stakes. Mm-hmm so much because everyone knows that you, everyone knows each other way too well and we police ourselves and do you feel that that's fine like there's never oh been... yeah there's no uh i mean yeah we've like people will be shunned will be shamed people would like people know that you have to play the mix mm -hmm. and like we rarely have problems with it and like i said we police ourselves and that's for the most part just true in general like we don't you know you never see us in my game like call the floor for a ruling yeah it's just a we deal with it a gentleman's agreement or whatever like we just know enough about how the rules are supposed to work and how like situations are working we'll, or we'll you know we know that certain people at the table can be trusted to be neutral and different mm -hmm. things like that and we just deal with it ourselves and don't want to rely upon like a floor or whatever yeah 
Do you have a particular strong game that you're that you're proud of? I don't you... think so. Um, I consider myself uh, a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I do well at the dealer's choice format at the World Series because uh, I think I'm good at picking the games to my opponent's weaknesses, and I don't. There's not too much that people are going to pick where I'm like super out of my element. Yeah. But there's nothing where like I'm not one of these guys who's like picking the same thing every round. Because like I'm an expert at that game. Oh, yeah, we had Adam Friedman on here who won the event back to back. He picked a lot. Years. He picked a lot of different games too. Yeah, and I was asking him, did you have a strategy? Or, like, were you just targeting one specific weak spot at the table, uh, or is it more just picking your own best game for defense? It is dependent. Is it dependent on how your stack is at the time? Definitely depends on stack. Depends on players. It, like, if there's a guy who, or girl, <laughs> female, I shouldn't of say course. girl, who is demonstrably horrible at a game, mm-hmm. you pick that game. And everyone picks that game until That's, they're out of the That sort of table, ends right? up happening, yeah. Or at least uh, people who are noticing and paying attention, people who feel comfortable in that game. Like, that happens sometimes with stud, high, low, regular, where, like, suddenly four people are picking stud, high, low, regular because one guy is fucking it up really badly. He doesn't realize there's a qualifier or something? <laughs> there is no qualifier. Oh, high, low, regular. That's right. Yeah. High, low, regular. Exactly. <laughs> I just... I'm the, I'm the victim in this in this example. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get to some uh, rapid-fire questions if you're ready. Ready. All right. Um, all right. Biggest pot you've ever witnessed? I've ever witnessed. Because um, I, I know you've. Uh, I don't play that big. The biggest I've ever played is 400, 800. That's pretty damn big. I know, big. but like it's not. But I don't have a particular hand mm-hmm. uh, that, that I've witnessed. Tell me about that session. I mean, I've played it a few times, but I, there's nothing. Honestly, it was just a poker game. There's not that much to show. You didn't feel a little bit of extra. A little sweat on your brow. A little bit of uh... no, because for me, um, I sold excess action to where I was still playing my usual limit. Mm-hmm. So like, didn't make a difference to me whether it was my usual limit or four hundred, eight hundred. What about the competition being different? It was my mostly my usual players. Okay, everyone stepped it up. Kind of, yeah. It was. It was. <laughs> it, so that's happened a few times, but uh, no, there was nothing special about. What about it. the first really time you were in Bobby's room? Or that was cool. The first time you faced off against Doyle or something. That, Doyle was, like, throughout my poker career, it was like, uh, I, I've played with, you know, I've played with everybody or whatever, mm-hmm. and, um, or at least, at least that plays mix, and, uh, but Doyle I, eluded me for years and years to ever play, <laughs> and, 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 like, he's, you know, I read Super System so many times in high school, and, like, to play with Doyle was a big deal one day, finally. Mm-hmm. So that's a good question, but that, that was exciting. Did you me. get the better of him, or? I don't remember. No. I definitely beat him a pot. I don't, I, I think I just. <laughs> beat him a couple pots but i don't think i you know no still pot got, to hang he, your hat on the man is a million years old and he still got it best swap or piece you've ever had of anybody best swap or piece um i haven't done too well swapping lifetime except for i guess um i had i think it was two percent of when justin bonomo uh came in second in the ppc that's we pretty two percent yeah yeah, that's a pretty good company to get to get a swap with in a no limit hold'em tournament. It wasn't a no limit hold'em tournament; it was the PPC. Oh, the PPC! I thought you were talking about the. Uh, the I was thinking of. Doesn't the matter PC- what you thought. PCA. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, that would have been a big one. That would have been a big one. Two percent of that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I would have heard about that. I've only that played that before. once. Uh, weirdest place you've ever played poker for money. A trailer twenty minutes or thirty minutes outside of Gainesville trailer like a like a tra- you know like a yeah 
Oh, you mean like a trailer home, like mobile home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, I was thinking like a trailer in the back of a trailer, like, like in like a yeah, no, like a yeah, a mobile home, like thirty minutes outside of Gainesville in like the woods. How sketchy was this game? I escaped. <laughs> I don't know. I only played like twice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of southwest of Gainesville. Man, did you ever do the trip to to Jasper for the card room? Over I there? never went there. Um, I did go to. Uh, it wasn't like no. I never went. There. By the time that formed, was sort of at the end of my uh, like time there, and it was sort of like I was playing other things, mostly. Um, I did go to the cruise ship out of Jacksonville a couple times. And I went to Tampa once during my time in game. Yeah, oh, and we went to Biloxi once. Back before poker was up and running in Florida. Yeah, there were some interesting... Those uh, cruises to nowhere were interesting. Who's the best poker player we've never heard of? So I actually... I, this question I actually prepared for. Okay. <laughs> I texted someone specifically and said, Is it okay with you if mm-hmm. I list you as this person? This is a real unknown. Secret I mean, person. I mean, not, not secret to the people who play mix. Okay. But uh, but I was prepared for this one, and his name is uh, Daryushimani. Okay, he's a mixed game player. He's not a professional poker player. He's a he, his professional business is uh, like um, commercial real estate development. Okay, and like but he's also plays poker for money, and he has played poker for a living earlier in his life. And he's and a crusher, he, huh? Yeah, he's great. So he was yeah. There were two people I was thinking of. He's the he's the number one I went with. Sorry, other he's, guy. He's a really good player, and I think like. <laughs> At the limit that I play, to me, he's the he's the toughest player. Maybe not everyone sees that sees it that way, but to me, he's the toughest player. Although he does have a tendency, he can go off. Like if he gets in a certain mood, he can uh, light it on fire. How's but, your tilt control? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a technique or anything, or? Um, I. Do you get up? I and think walk I have a reasonably or? good level of self awareness of if I'm playing well or not, and if I'm not, I uh, kind of like. Occasionally I'll get up and I'll be like, if you don't start playing well, we have to go home or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just, I think I'm, pre- I don't know, I also don't have like that much of a superstar A-plus game. I just have like a pretty, mostly pretty even keel game. You just never get down to your D game. I, yeah, I, I, I sort of am always a C player. <laughs> mostly, you know what I mean? Like, I'll hover between like B minus and, you know, is C that, Is that enough to win? Like is, C, is a C minus player enough to win? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. No, C minus isn't. Uh, who is the best human being you've ever met in the poker world? So throw That's away a good the question. Poker no, skill. no, I like that question. That's a yeah. good one. Um, there's a few of them, but I'm going to say Mark Gregorich. Okay, I played a nice round of golf with Mark a few months back. Oh, did you? Yeah, he's just the nicest guy in the world. He's, uh, I, in many ways, he knows that I, I look up to him. In many ways, he's successfully raised a family. Mm-hmm. You know, he has two kids in college now. Um. And uh, just like like the consummate grinder, and also just like the just the like he's you know often been called the nicest person in poker. Yeah, and he you know he hosts my favorite party every year, and like yeah, just the nicest guy. Just, I can't imagine him doing anybody wrong about anything. Well, you brought up the fact that he's a father. You're a father. I am. We did uh, uh, this anonymous polling of the high stakes tournament players, mm-hmm. and you know maybe not surprising a lot of them don't have kids uh you know about 50 50 were in relationships uh do you think that holds true for the mixed game community what are the what, what are the ages skew and i uh, ages i think skew a little bit older for the most part mm-hmm. um and i think that we do have a higher percentage of family people mm-hmm. i think 
than you like just got it, right? I think but but if you're comparing I think that if you're comparing almost any population of like players to like the highest stakes players you'll see that they probably have fewer families than we than anybody else does so I don't think comparing I think comparing them us comparing us to like the you know 10 20 no limit grinders might be more interesting yeah and I wouldn't know what the stat the stats are there, but com- I think comparing to the highest stakes. But the idea is, is that you can do it. You can do have the family. You don't have oh, to yeah. be, live on the road to be a professional. No, for sure player. not. I just live in Vegas, and I, mm-hmm. I I go to L.A. usually for a couple weeks a year. Yeah, and then I'm here for the rest of the year. No other poker trips, really. No, not I even, have gone not to even back home to Florida. I I've played tournaments there, mm-hmm. but like it'll be part of another trip to Florida with my family, mm-hmm. um, or like. A few, I haven't in a few years, but I did go to play, go to Mexico to play W Coops a couple of different times for like three weeks. But that's before my kids were born. What's the longest session you've ever played? Twenty four hours, pretty exactly. much. Exactly. Yeah. Did because, you? Were you determined? Yeah, to yeah. Get I was there? at like eighteen hours <laughs> and just like I gotta make it to twenty four. Yeah. And then like Brianna, my wife, actually came to the casino and picked me up and drove me home. <laughs> I'm not that type of person who can play long hours and like like usually I get tired after twelve or so. Was this recent or no? Um and call it uh it's called 2011 or so 12 do you remember if you won i lost okay so it was a no it wasn't like something like that it wasn't you were trying to get even you were just no there was a special person there that plays really long hours that i played with for a long time and then eventually it got to the point where it was like 18 hours and i'm like you know i've never had a 24-hour session i should just like make this happen yeah and what's the closest you've come since not even you know probably not even 16 hours well i mean that's still it's still a day. That's still a day, you know? Not by the standards of, like, poker players. Like everyone. I guess, yeah. I'd probably have the shortest answer to that question in, your, in the history of your podcast. Have you seen, like, crazy people there for three days? Or? Yes, I have. Yeah. I just have never been able to do that. <laughs> You're never like, hey, buddy, time to, time to run a stick of deodorant over there. <laughs> <laughs> we, used to call, uh, we used to call Steve Bilirakis three-day Steve. Three days, Steve. <laughs> I didn't know Steve was known for his long sessions. He used to be, yeah. Wow. Not recently. Uh, okay. Uh, if not for poker, what would you be doing? You know, I've wondered that myself, and I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had an answer for you. We talked about your existential crisis. Yeah, in exactly. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I would be doing if not for poker. I don't. I mean, yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. Does this scare you? The idea of. I mean, yes. I guess that's the answer to your question. Not that, well, I don't know. The answer to a question, I don't know if it's the question that you're asking me, does scare me. Um, the, the the future of poker scares me. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, do you think you could do this until your retirement years? And I think that I could. I don't think that it will be avail- really available to be done in 50 years. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I, I think that we're in, you know, I think that poker had its boom and, you know, slowly... If you look at just the sheer numbers of like you know people in their early twenties that are playing, it's not like what it was when I was you know in my twenties, or what it was even five years ago. Um, and then like we have still a lot of people who are on the older side who are you know eventually unfortunately not going to be around anymore. Um, and like the younger people who do come up are really are, tend to be really good. They're approaching things from like you know, they're people who were like MTG players or they're people who were like you know, really analytical and things like that. Yeah. So these aren't guys who have a good session and go dust it off in the pits, or you know, vice which versa. doesn't help either. Vice versa, that's really bad. That's really bad too. Bring it in. We've had a lot of money lost in the poker world due to people with really bad habits. Mm-hmm. Sad to say, a lot of leaks, a lot oh, of yeah. leaks. Um, but I don't think that the 
I kind of like I need to make my next egg, my nest egg in the next twenty years. That's how I see it. Because poker will be less of an option. Yeah. Because your mental faculties will have declined. No, because the games the games just won't be around. There they'll mm-hmm. be a lot worse. It's funny because if you talk to a tournament player, they have the opposite outlook. Because tournaments are booming, obviously. You know, the the no limit hold'em fields in Europe are gigantic, and you have these record setting. But they're tough. They're tougher than ever. Exactly. It's like just because they're bigger doesn't necessarily mean they're profitable for everyone as much. Well, as obviously not for everyone. Or, you know, the the fish will lose faster. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, and there's fewer of them, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think people have less of a. Like there are obviously still your you know like like certain special people who will like lose forever and don't care, but they're becoming fewer and farther between. Yeah. What was your largest non-poker wager? Um, I'm in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, it's a combination of two wagers for weight loss. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, do you want to disclose the details? Uh, Five thousand dollars. I weighed uh, my, the peak. The most I've ever weighed was. Um, like 282 or 283 Mm -hmm. in like early, excuse me, early February of this year. Um, And the middle of February, and I was looking for weight loss bets, Um, but I started losing weight on my own. Middle of February, I was 276. And uh, I bet two different people a total of $5,000 that I could get to 210 on 1-1. And I'm now, uh, what am I now? What did I weigh in it today? 230 and a half today. So All I'm, right. I'm on the way. I'm gonna, You're I'm on gonna, the way. I'm going to win, yeah. You're going to get it. Yep. Congrats on that. that Thank you. Bet. I'm really proud of that. I've lost 50, I've lost over 50 pounds. And two thir- I'm, I'm sorry about what your current diet looks like. I'm sure it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. 230 feels a lot skinnier on the way that, on the way down than it did on the way up. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. You've done. You've lost how much from your... I was a peak of 248, and now I'm at these like days? 206. That's amazing, too. But I can't break 200. Like, it would take me actually dieting, and I don't want to do that. Well, yeah, you just had, you had reasons that you lost, unfortunate yeah, reasons Yeah, I just can't have weight. milk uh, or cheese or anything But it took you a while anymore. to figure that out. <laughs> yes, a lot of painful nights. But uh, I um, I have dieted a lot, and uh, I'm exercising for the first time in my life. Dieting Has for it the affected first time your in my poker? Life. Do you buy into the whole, like, exercise so. helps you? I don't, I don't think so, mm-hmm. but maybe. Sorry, Jason Kuhn. <laughs> Maybe maybe for, at that level, maybe for different people it does. Um, I wish I like everyone says, "Oh, you feel so much better," and I I just don't know for me if that's true or not. It might be, and I might not realize it, and it might not be. Yeah, I think that it's there's definitely a lot of uh, psychosomatic stuff happening for a lot of people there. Yeah. Um, but I want to get I need to get to two ten at the end of the year, and then ideally I'd like to maybe lose another twenty after that. So I will get to two ten by the end of the year, though I'm going to do that. And then I've got a couple... Actually, I've got a couple of politics bets for the upcoming election also that are both like 5K. All right, well, don't depress me. We won't talk about that. Yeah. What is a talent you don't have that you wished you did? It's a lot of those. Mm-hmm. I wish I had any talents. Uh, one I wish I was good one? at almost anything. Like, I, it, it feels like I have one skill. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, There's it, no other skills you've cool. been really no, jealous no. of? It would be... I, I do have an actual answer to this question. Okay. Um, I wish I could sing. Really? Yeah. Sing? Yeah, I, I enjoy it, and I'm not very good at it. Like, I can match. Like, if you play it, um, if you play a note on a keyboard that's within mm-hmm. or a piano that's within my range, I can match it. And like, I have a good like. If I just sing a song, I have a good like sense of uh, like I can you know key changes. Yeah, exactly. And I can like I can keep 
I can just kind of keep a tone and stuff like that, but my my actual tone, the way I sound, isn't very good. My actual voice doesn't sound very good, but I know that I'm actually following the notes properly and stuff like that. I just don't have a good voice. You just wish you had different genetics. I wish I had a good, yeah, I just wish I, it, would, it would be, it would be really cool to just be able to like have a good singing voice and just like, you know, go to, a, you know. You don't need to be a good singer to be a, to be a recording artist. You could be Randy Newman. You know what I mean? Like, well, you have to be exceptionally different. Bob Dylan. You have to be in, okay, you have to be, what is it? You have to be a Pulitzer Prize winning, was it Pulitzer <laughs> that he just won? <laughs> I don't know what he won. Um, Writer. Speaking of music, headphones on at the table? Yes Very, or no? very rarely. And if so, what are you listening to? Usually stuff on the mellow side, um, something maybe Pink Floyd or um, or uh, Jeff Beck or like something, stuff really on the mellow side. Genesis? Wow. Maybe. I like, I, which... Some of that's not really like my quote unquote favorite music, but that's what I would listen to mostly at the poker. Do you game. react to like speed metal? <laughs> you put that on, you're just, gonna, you're just gonna go crazy. I never would. Finger. I never would put it on. <laughs> I, but I almost never listen to to music at the poker table. You just want to interact at the table, or you you miss something, or yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I, I don't like if I want to be by myself to play poker. You know, we could do that online back in the day, or like yeah. I, I don't know. I, I like I like the social aspect of poker. I think that, like, we hear all these stories about shitty people doing shitty things in the poker world, and, like, they get so, like, it sucks when people do bad things, and, like, but there are not a lot of bad apples in poker, and, like, I think, on the whole, poker tends to bring out the worst in people and the best in people, and, because uh, it's just so stressful and so, you know, intense, and it's so honor-based in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, I think that, in general, we are lucky to be part of this community, and we have, like, on the whole way better people in this community than in society as a whole like i yes. think and i think it's not even close i would agree with that and uh i like that and i like bullshitting with people and whatever good yeah they we do but the ones that are bad are really bad yeah uh favorite album let's say there's a few of them but let's say uh 2112 by rush wow maybe it's funny you just brought up Rush. Uh, Nolan Dalla had a had a post about, um, I think he was asking people about uh, bands that you just don't get. Like, and you, he said Rush, or you said I Rush? I said Rush. Oh yeah, they're my favorite band for sure. I uh, I just watched a documentary and I was like, oh man, these guys. Which are one? Clearly, I've watched the one on Netflix. Um, I can't you know remember what it's called? What it's I've called. seen all of them probably. It's it's good. It's well done. I recommend it. I'm sure and I've seen I, it. I watched <laughs> it. and I was like, "Wow, these guys are clearly geniuses." Getty yeah, is, is obviously a bass god, and yeah. the fact that he can sing at the same time, and you know, obviously, Pert on drums, you know, is insane. And I was really into it, and then I started listening to the music, and I was like, "No, not not for me. It's just not for me." What did you listen to? I'll, I just basically Spotify their top ten. You know what I mean? Whatever their okay. top ten songs are. I mean, skipping Tom Sawyer, obviously. Because you knew that one, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but it just comes off to me as like the kind of rock you play while playing Dungeons and Dragons, and like. Well, to a certain extent, that to a certain extent it is. I mean, it's definitely considered on the nerdier side, mm-hmm. and I'm on the nerdier side of humans. So. Yeah, you did say you were an indie <laughs> kid, so there you go. And I like D and D for what little experience I have with it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, Rush is definitely my favorite band. Um, I don't listen to a ton of music, though. Like, a lot of the time that I used to listen to music, I now spend listening to podcasts. Yeah, especially Poker Stories. That's a good one. Yeah, occasionally I listen to Poker Stories. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Pulp Fiction, probably. Mm. Are, are all your favorite movies Tarantino? No. <laughs> but I am a, definitely a fan of his. 
I uh, loved uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was I have not seen it yet. Fucking glorious. I know you were just telling me about some peanut butter or something. That was great. Yeah, you actually really should watch that. And yeah. I, I've, I actually told people on Twitter now. I, I tweeted that people should watch that movie. It's that an was, official Randy O'Hell. The Peanut Butter Falcon. The Peanut Butter Falcon. That's what it's it like. Is. It's absurdly good and like the cast is not inspiring it's like the two people you would have heard of are sheila buff and uh what's her name um dakota johnson wow yeah but the, but uh, you, you hear those names and you're, you're like selling me hard this is a movie i should see <laughs> but it turns out yeah but not only are they both really good in the movie but the movie just has so much heart and it's so good i actually like shia LaBeouf it's like as a, an actor he's good he's really I good in this he's a crazy person he's really good in this movie it's like a and it's a it's like a real huck finn story Okay. It's like an adventure, you know, southern adventure. Like, it's great. So this isn't the one he was making about his own life? No. Where he plays his dad? No. You haven't heard about this? There's it's not a bad, mo- though. There's a movie where they're making, it's, it's about Shia LaBeouf's life, and he plays his own father. No, I don't know they anything about that. They cast a kid to play him, and I guess it'd be a child actor. <laughs> While playing a child actor. That's pretty meta. That anyway. Is. No, I, Peanut Butter Falcon. <laughs> one of the, probably the... Maybe second best movie of this year. All right. Maybe the best might actually be, um, did you see, uh, what was it called? The Farewell? I haven't seen anything. I saw The Last Spider-Man. Did you hear about The Farewell? No. That's like an excellent movie. I'm, I'm, I'm only thinking of The Favorite right now. The Favorite was last year, I think. Yeah. I actually just saw that a month or two ago. That's how behind I am. It was I really am. good. Uh, Usually you're any, like um, into the movies. I know, but ever since I had kids, like I can't watch You still come anymore. up with the list of like... Every not, year you come anymore. out with the list. Not in years. It's been I'm going to look on Facebook. I think Go you made ahead. the list last year. Go ahead. You're not going to find one. Uh, is there any you question? definitely made one. Actually, I know you made one the year that Boyhood came out. Because yeah, it was a was, huge argument on your thread about that. That was and that's, 2012. And that's right definitely right. post-Joanna. That 2012. That's not post-Joanna? I don't know. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, anyway, was there a question I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Was you haven't one? asked me one from the random question generator yet. That's coming next. <laughs> I just didn't want to get to the random question generator before I, I hit all your your prepared questions. Oh, yeah. Those were the ones that, yeah. I got them all? Yeah, two, the, the, the two that I was ready for. All right. We end the podcast the same way every time with a question from the random question generator. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, the one that came up for yours, I'm not even going to ask you because it's just like... I want to know what it was and then we can move on to the next one. Okay. What piece of clothing or accessory can someone wear that immediately makes you have a bad opinion of them as a person? A MAGA hat. Move on. There you go. <laughs> Obvious answer. <laughs> okay. What's currently legal but won't be in 10 or 20 years? Ooh. This is like a, like, like a quiz I'm a libertarian, question. so I sort of think of things the other way. Like what should be legal? Yeah. <laughs> I don't usually think of things that they're going to outlaw. What's currently illegal that you'd like to see legalized I, in the next 10, 20 years? I mean, po- I think that the obvious answers are poker and marijuana, which I don't really use. Yeah. You don't use poker. <laughs> <laughs> no, you mean poker state by state, obviously, in the United I, States. Ideally, I mean just worldwide. totally legal, mm-hmm. um, federally and everything. But... Uh, that pot like i'm trying to think of something that's legal now that i think will be illegal in 20 years um like the obvious answer for something that one like you know is like tobacco but that's never going to happen because not with the lobbyists and there's way too much money in the tobacco industry and like uh and that's never going to happen i was thinking a sport nor do i think it should be illegal what about a sport like boxing might go be gone and too much money in it not 20 years, maybe 50 years. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that football might be gone in 50 years. Yeah. 
Like, I don't, I, I really believe that. The public will lose interest, competition will I win. think that in the next 50 years, it might be illegal to drive. Ooh, that's a good one. But that's not 20 years either. I think that's, you know, that's a long way away. But I think it'll be potentially, it'll be illegal to drive on public roads, and there will be, like, uh, private areas where one can go to, like, you know, You have to go to, dri- like, a, a driving park. A driving range, as it were. A driving range. <laughs> A driving range where you can just do laps in a car. Yeah. This is what we used to do back in the old well, days. Well, they have, they, they have, um, it would be like Speed Vegas now, they have. Yeah. But it would be but like. But it would just be like a Toyota Tercel. Probably not a Toyota Tercel, but <laughs> it would probably be still sports cars, but. Yeah, it would play with the wipers, yeah. Like, have you ever gone you... to Speed Vegas and done that whole thing? No, I'm it's not a cool. car guy. Me neither, but it was fun. Yeah, I, this is the one just south of the, the strip. Yeah. Yeah, with all the fast, fast Just cars. south of like, Saint, the, the, the next exit past St. Rose. Yeah. Anyway, Randy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing, Happy to be here. sharing your poker stories uh, and uh, being in my house for like the 50th time. <laughs> uh, was it fun? Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks for having me, Julio. <laughs> That's it. That's the show. Thank you once again to Randy for coming on the podcast uh, and for leaving my house without breaking any of my doors. As we mentioned during the podcast, Randy is now offering up his mixed game wisdom on a uh, semi-regular basis for Card Player, and the first three of his articles are already up on the website. You can search his name and find in-depth hand breakdowns on a number of poker variations. So far, he's tackled Stud 8 or Better, Triple Draw, and uh, Deuce to 7 No Limit Single Draw, with more on the way. You can find Randy on Twitter at Randy Ohel and reach out to him there about getting some mixed games poker coaching. That's right, Randy is taking on poker students. So if you feel stuck in a hold'em rut and you want to branch out a bit, uh, perhaps that's the best way to go. You can find us on Twitter at CardPlayerMedia and also at Poker underscore Stories. Uh, do me a favor and subscribe if you haven't already and uh, go the extra mile by leaving a rating and a review. If you let us know about it with an email to pokerstories at cardplayer.com, we'll hook you up with a free digital subscription to Card Player Magazine. Thanks for listening. <laughs>